Good morning and welcome to episode 19 of Beating Around the Bush podcast. It's hard to believe that we've gone through this many so far, but this one is entitled uh, Basking in the Sun and a Rising Star. We'll explain that as we go along, but let's do our disclaimer to start with. The Beating Around the Bush podcast is just an extension of my column that appears weekly in the Carroll Newsletter, and it's simply my opinions, my observations, and the ramblings of an old sports writer. So there we are, episode 19, going to get into two or three different things today. We're going to talk a little hanging in basketball a little bit later on, but let me first start by saying this podcast comes from a different location than the first 18 podcasts have come uh, so far this this year, and uh, we've been doing them on the farm in my office. This time it's coming from the sunny beaches of St. Augustine, Florida. As I get away for a little while, just basking in the sun, soaking up the rays, visiting the oldest city in the United States. And of course, I'm one of the oldest sports writers in the United States, so that kind of makes a good couple, makes a good pair. So, been doing a little shopping. My wife and I decided to take a little time off from my busy schedule and enjoy the oldest city in the United States. And let me tell you, this is a place, first time I've been here, and I recommend it to everyone. It, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of everything that you need that when you're on vacation, there's, there's plenty to do for the kids. There's always the miniature golf stuff and uh, there, of course, there's always the beach. There's plenty of historical sites. We went and visited the uh, fort that St. Augustine was built around. There's a lot of interesting things about the city of St. Augustine. You know, that I think, if I've got this right, the Spanish uh, actually were the first ones to appear here. And, of course, it's been occupied. Uh, the French have been here, the British occupied it during the Revolutionary War. Of course, then finally the Americans took it over and all this good stuff and a lot of historical stuff. Saw a great lighthouse yesterday that overlooks the uh, channel coming into St. Augustine. I love lighthouses. That's uh, one of my favorite things to do on vacation. I've seen a couple of different lighthouses in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of steps for an old man to go up. But I made it, made it up and back down. But St. Augustine is a place that uh, I recommend to everybody. This is a place that I could see myself living in. You know, there's one area over. Uh, went to see Spider-Man last night. The new movie Spider-Man. Recommend that everybody too. That's a good. That's a good movie. I like that. I kind of Spider-Man. I kind of superhero kind of guy. You know, I always thought, hey, if I could come back in another life, it might be as a superhero. Not sure what my name would be, but you know, hey. One can dream, can't they? Uh, but <clears throat> there's movie theaters, there's uh, restaurants all over the place. Great downtown area in St. Augustine. Uh, some older churches and stuff like that. So it's a great place to visit. I recommend it to everyone. But anyway, let's get on to some other tasks. And I kind of promised last week on our podcast, last week we was going to talk some a thing about going on in college football that concerns me. And we're going to talk about that first before we get into uh, Huntington basketball. But the transfer portal, I think, is going to be eventually, possibly, who knows, the downfall 
of college football. It's becoming, it's becoming, I don't like where it's headed as far as that kind of stuff goes. And I understand a lot of these things where a player, they they go, hey, a coach can leave when he wants to. Why can't a player leave when he wants to? He gets somewhere where he's unhappy. You know, if you're just a regular student, you know, that's allowed. You can go from one college to the next and all this kind of stuff. But that's not the reason they're doing. uh, That's not the reason they're entering the transfer portal. These players, they're not entering the transfer portal to go get a better education at a better school because they weren't happy with the education they got to start with at the one they signed up with in the beginning, they're going so they can play somewhere. And I, I, I kind of understand that. But they need to maybe alter this a little bit, change it a little bit. And, and I don't totally understand how all of it works. But I do know that you, you can, I think you can only do it one time. Oh, I thought you could, but I think there's been some players that's done it multiple times where you transfer. But they they're just now they're if they're unhappy they're packing up and leaving for somewhere else but where that creates a problem in my opinion and i think in a lot of other opinions this creates a problem but that these players can just pack up and go somewhere but these schools are now recruiting the the transfer portal is a bigger recruiting tool now than the kids coming out of high school and if you're a coach You'd be crazy not to do that. You know, Tennessee last year, after Jeremy Pruitt left, had a record number of kids leave the program through the transfer portal because of the coaching change. And I know a lot of kids go to certain colleges because of the coach. And when the coach leaves, they're unhappy. Well, what happened to the word commitment? I think that's something that... uh, our society is lacking in a lot of different areas is that term commitment that if you sign up to play at a place, why not spend your career there? Why not? Why shouldn't your choice of college or university be about the university instead of how much money you can make? And that's kind of what college football has become. Hey, if I don't like it here, I can go somewhere else. And if I don't like it there, I can go somewhere else. And now they've got this NIL thing, this license thing, where you can sell your name. Okay, I've always had kind of mixed emotions about that because college athletes, college football players especially, let's take the University of Tennessee, for example. They bring in a lot of money through their football program. Well, the athletes are going to say, they're bringing in that money because of me. Why can't I get a piece of that pie? Understandable. You know, you get a a university that makes millions and millions and millions of dollars a year off their football program. And if you've ever been to a football uh, game, you can kind of understand where that money comes from because it comes from the average fan. You know, you can't get into a Tennessee football game for – in most cases, and, and the tickets vary. It's not like going to a high school game where you can go to a high school game and it's going to cost you $5 to get in or 6 I don't know because I don't ever pay to get into a high school game. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But 
you know, like there was that one year that I had season tickets for Tennessee games. And a game like Southern Mississippi, for example, were $25 a ticket. Georgia game was like $90 a ticket. Difference in prices because it's the difference in the quality of the opponent. So they charge more for some teams and they do others. And then you get in the stadium. So you're going to spend $100 close to it, or if it's two of you. And not many people go to a football game by themselves, so you got to have more than one ticket. So you're talking about a couple hundred bucks maybe for tickets. And then you get in there, and the concession prices, wherever you go. You know, when we went to the uh, state championships in football, concession prices are ridiculous. You know, you're going to spend you're going to spend fifty dollars eating, or more than that, and then be some crazy guy like me and want to buy a souvenir every time you go somewhere, and he's going to spend a little more money. So you're talking about <clears throat> just the experience of the football game itself might cost you five hundred dollars, and then like if you live in uh, Huntington, like we do, or, or some other places, and you want to go to the Tennessee game. You're talking about a trip. You're talking about a pretty good little trip, little car, pretty good little car ride to Knoxville, Tennessee. So then you you spend uh, another, with gas prices being as they are, another hundred dollars or so on gas. Then you got to get a motel room for a couple of days because you just don't make that trip to Knoxville and back in one day. You just don't drive up there, go to the game, turn around, drive back. I've done that before. It's not fun. So. You're gonna call it's gonna cost you another two or three hundred dollars or whatever in uh motel rooms. So you're you're talking about an experience going to Tennessee football game that might cost you a thousand dollars, depending on all of those variables I just mentioned. So when when you get talking about that, the city of Knoxville, the University of Tennessee is bringing in lots of money. And these kids want some of that. But I have mixed emotions about that. I kind of understand how they feel about that. Because they're responsible. I mean, they're, they're the reason that uh, Tennessee's making all that money. But Tennessee's also giving them a free scholarship. They're giving them free room and board. They're giving them free food. You know, that. You know, if they had all that available, if somebody would offer me that, I would have went to college. No, no, You know, I wouldn't even thought twice about it. Hey, come to our school. You can come free. You can eat free. We'll put you in a room. You know, a couple other dudes or something. But you know, hey, you, you know, you need some companionship, somebody to talk to. I would have took that. That would have been a good experience. I would have probably gone to college for that. So you know, they're already getting paid in a sense. And then you got to look at the other side of it. What about that kid that's uh, at the University of Tennessee because he wants to be a teacher? Or the kid at the University of Tennessee who wants to be an architect? Now, he's not playing football. He's not playing basketball. He's not there to, or the reason he's there is not allowing the university to bring in millions of dollars a year. You know, he's not got nothing to do with that. But he's a part of that university. If the university is bringing in all that money, shouldn't they just kind of give it to everybody? Well, you know, that's an argument you could make, and it's an argument that you could really get a lot of discussion on. 
But back to the transfer portal for a minute. And I really don't like it because, uh, you know, usually when I sign up for something like a, a commitment of some kind that somebody's asked me to do, I, I, I don't I don't like to quit and go somewhere else. Uh, you know, I've, I've been involved in committees and stuff, and, you know, and I, I don't like this. I you know, I won't go, di- go to a different one, but I have it. But, you know, when, when, when you sign up for a university, you should sign up. Well, it's, it's, it's I don't know how you want to. Some people are for it. Some people are not. I'm not against maybe transferring one time. Uh, I don't think you should be allowed to do it multiple times. And I think you shouldn't. You can't transfer until after you've been there a couple of years. There should be a stipulation. You just can't. You know, there have some people have, have transferred before they ever even got to the university. They transfer out of one university. They put themselves in a transfer portal. Then they uh, transfer out of the transfer portal to a, to another school. I mean, it's kind of complicated there, but they they don't ever show up at the university they said they were going to go to and they change their mind and go somewhere else. It's becoming a recruiting tool. And coaches are crazy if they don't use it. But I don't just don't like the direction it's heading. So I'll say that. But what what can we do about it? I don't think we can do anything about it. Actually, I think all of that's going to uh, magnify before it ever uh, gets any better. And I think it's going to get worse is what I'm saying. So what are schools going to do? Well, they're going to use the transfer portal. What kids going to do if it's available? They're going to transfer out. So it's kind of in the hierarchy's hands, if you want to put it that way. You know, they 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 made it this way, and, and the kids are going to use it. And if it's there, I, I I don't can't say that I blame them, but I don't like it. That's just my personal opinion. And Tennessee this past football season, their best quarterback ended up being the fifth best quarterback in the SEC by the quarterback rankings. He was a transfer, transferred in. So it benefited Tennessee. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you go, okay, wait a minute. You know, it's okay if we do it, but it's not okay if everybody else is doing it. And that's not what I'm saying. You know, if you're if it's there, you're going to use it. And that's what Tennessee did, and I don't blame them. I'm saying I don't like the process. And I think there needs to be a different way of doing the transfer portal. I'm not I'm not totally against transfers, but I just don't like the direction it's going now. I think there should be some restrictions. I think there should be some different ways of doing it. But then that's just, again, totally my opinion. Tennessee does play, by the way, in a bowl game this week. No, it's not this week. I'm sorry. It's next week on December the 30th. I'm kind of ahead of myself because today is only December the 20th. We're only five days away from Christmas. And things are going to slow down a little bit, probably around the holidays, and then pick back up after the holidays. I know Huntington basketball, for example, only has one game left for the Christmas break, and that's tomorrow night. I'll still be in Florida. Darn it. But... I will miss that. But Tennessee plays on the 30th. They play uh, Purdue in the Music City Bowl. And going back to what we was talking about a while ago, I got to reading on the internet. That's a game, that's a game actually a bowl game that I've actually been to before. 
And I've I've been to two bowl games, I think, in my lifetime. One was the Liberty Bowl several, several years ago, back in the 80s, I think, is when that was. Tennessee played Minnesota down in Memphis. And then I've been to the Music City Bowl back when Tennessee got beat by North Carolina. That was the game that rules changed as far as uh, substitutions go because Tennessee got beat on a field goal that was allowed. And if under the current rules, as far as the way you sub, uh, they would have never got the playoff in time. And Tennessee would have won that bowl game. That was Derek Dooley's, uh, during Derek Dooley's reign at Tennessee. But I was reading on the internet and going back to what we was talking about a few minutes ago in the discussion we were having about prices that I think I went for, oh, $50 or so, somewhere around that neighborhood when I went to the Music City Bowl before. And you could buy tickets outside the stadium for $25. But I heard the prices, some people were talking over $100 just for the cheap seats. If you've ever been to Nissan Stadium in Nashville, there's some of those seats that are kind of up high. I was there for a Titans game one year, and they had the flyover of the Jets, and I ducked. That's how high you're up in that upper deck. And uh, some of those seats were going for over $100. So there you go. That's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of money in college football. But uh, Tennessee does play Purdue. I'll miss it because the Huntington Quarterback Club, I mean, excuse me, Point Guard Club, uh, transitioning for football, they are hosting the Coca-Cola Point Guard Classic that they hold every year. Good event. If you want to see a lot of basketball, there's a good chance for you to do that. If you go out, I think it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th. On the 30th, this when Tennessee plays football at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going to be out there working a little bit, helping the point guard club out, uh, doing PA for three games a day for uh, three of those days. And then I'll be there for some of that other as my duties with the Carroll Newsletter. So, that'll be a good basketball tournament. Uh, I've got all of those brackets on my phone. Don't have time to open it and look at but there's some pretty good teams coming in. If you want to go out there and watch a lot of basketball, it, it's kind of fun. I mean, they start like at 11 o'clock during the day, and then they go to like 7 or 8 at night. So, you, you know, you can find your seat, lean up against the wall somewhere, and sit there and watch basketball all day long. And the concession prices – are not astronomical. So you can sit there and you can eat all day, uh, just watch a lot of high school basketball. It's kind of fun to do. I've done that before, not totally all day, but I sat out there one day where I only missed like an hour out of the whole day. So, uh, of course, I have hospitality room, hopefully. And But uh, that's a good chance not only to support Huntington basketball, but to watch some good high school basketball if you're interested in doing that. So let's transition into kind of our last segment of the day. I've done enough rambling on college football and all that kind of stuff because I can't fix it. Nobody else is going to fix it. In fact, they're going to break it before anybody fixes it. But anyway, that's, that's somebody else's problem. But Huntington basketball so far this season has been kind of an interesting season. Uh, because it's kind of been up and down for both teams. Uh, the girls, let's start with them first. They, uh, so far for the season, have played, both teams, matter of fact, have played 11 games. And that's quite a bit for this time of the year to have already played 11 games before your Christmas break. And actually, it could have been 12 
Uh, they postponed the Adamsville game that was supposed to be played a couple weeks ago because that's when all the storms came through our area, and uh, they postponed it in case of uh, inclement weather or, or severe weather so nobody get trapped in it. It would probably have been fine, but that's one of those kind of things you never know. And uh, Adamsville was playing that night or was supposed to play that night, and it was, that's a pretty good little trip from Adamsville to Huntington and then back. And when you got the threat of that kind of weather, uh, that was that was the right decision. But so they would have had 12 games in uh, if it had not been for that. But uh, looking at the girls so far, they do not have a single senior. They're six and five so far on the season. And that could, in my opinion, maybe be a little better. Uh, for example, they have beaten Dresden twice out of their, for their six wins. They have split with Camden. Uh, they won over Stewart County, Adamsville earlier, and then Clarksburg this past week. A couple quality wins in there over Dresden. They're, they're, they're pretty decent. Now, Stewart County had a solid team. But the split with Camden kind of is indicative of where they're at at this point. A little maybe inconsistent because they're a little young. Uh, like I said, no seniors. Uh, but they, they beat Camden 80-68 to at Huntington and then lost – uh, 61-41 at Camden. So that was a pretty big disparity, uh, dis- you know, in the difference in the scores of those two games. Uh, you know, realistically, maybe they should have won that second game. Uh, you, or you would think they would have played a little closer. They have lost to McKenzie twice. Now, McKenzie has got one of the best teams in the area. They've only lost one game on the season, McKenzie has, and that was to Gibson County. And we'll talk about that in a minute because there's relative – to a fact, let's look at the boys right quick. The boys are four and seven. They have wins over Dresden, uh, Clarksburg, Adamsville, and Camden. They've lost twice to uh, McKenzie, uh, Summertown, and girls lost to Summertown too, and that's not a bad loss when you look at it. But the boys, they're at four and seven, but they split. They split with Camden. But when you look at where the boys could be, they're four and seven. They could be uh, six and five, like the girls, because they lost to Gleason in overtime. So that's a game that could have went either way. And they lost to Dresden on a buzzer beater. So there's two wins that they may have could have pulled out. But before we get into, uh, they have not played a district game yet. And that's what I was going to talk about next. But before we get into that, because part of the title of episode 19 was a rising star. And Huntington has a rising star in on the girls' team. And her name's Lily Key. Lily Key is a sophomore. And she's, they list her at six feet tall. But she's got long arms. and But she's only a sophomore. But this past week, Lily Key in three games, had 88 points. 88 points in three games. Against uh, Stewart County, earlier in the week, she had 27 points. At Clarksburg, last Thursday night, she had 38 points. 30 of those were at the half. And that was a game that Huntington won uh, 80 to 22 or 26, something like that. And, of course, 
they play a lot of their reserves the second half, and Lily could have had 50 points or more as she played the entire game. And then Friday night at McKenzie, again, against one of the better teams in this area, Lily had 23 points. So 88 points in three games. Uh, she's we, we a lot of a lot of me uh, me and a lot of the guys. Uh, I know the other night I was doing PA and then setting the scores table. We were talking about it the scores table, and I've had this conversation with a couple other people. If she improves as much from her sophomore year to her junior year as she has from her freshman year to her sophomore year, look out. You're going to have some D1 schools uh, coming to every Huntington basketball game because with her length, and she's got, like I said, she's got some long arms, and uh, at six feet tall, she's probably she may not be through growing. You get the ball inside to her, and it's almost an automatic two points. Uh, you get her down on the blocks, and you get the ball in there, that little turnaround fadeaway jump shot that she uses from six to eight feet or – even closer, uh, is deadly. And she's learned to uh, use the glass to bank shots in. She might want to work on getting a little better at maybe the mid-range jumper where you can pull her out close to the foul line and let her turn around and take a uh, 12-footer or a 15-footer jump shot. She starts learning how to make those. And then how do you guard her? Because you can't. Uh, She probably needs to get a little stronger, uh, bulk up a little bit. But she's just a sophomore, so she's still maturing. And But she is, she is fun to watch. The way she's improved from her freshman year uh, to this year, it's been remarkable to watch. And I watched all of her games last year, and she, she really didn't play that much last year. And a lot of freshmen don't when they come in and play. But this Phillies team has got um, two or three fr- freshmen that are getting a lot of playing time. You know, Josie Stokes, uh, Delaney Byers, both are playing a lot, those guard positions. But then when you look at Sophie Singleton, who's a junior, and then that's that's some post presence underneath. Uh, Lily Key, as I mentioned, is a sophomore. And then a, one another player that I like that's either a freshman or a sophomore, I've seen it written both ways in a program. I think she was a freshman. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Sarah Beth Smith, who has some strength and, and is taller than Lily Key. And she's got some skills. So this is a basketball team, uh, girls team, that although right now they're a little inconsistent at six and five, they uh, got a chance to be real, real good next year when it gets a little senior leadership. And then when you get the, the post players like Liddy Key and Sarah Beth uh, mature even more. And then another player like Ashlyn Rich, who I really like in, inside because she can bang around and, and push people around. But, uh, and then you've got the guards out front, Leah Fuller, uh, Sydney Anderson, Annabelle Singleton. All those players play a lot. And Quinn Kelly, for example, uh, that's another freshman that has played a lot. She came in against Stewart County and knocked down uh, four three-pointers the other night and had 13 points. Uh, so she can she can shoot. So there's a, uh, there's a bright future ahead uh, for Phillies basketball. You know, when, as a freshman or as eighth graders last year, I think they went 17 and one. So you can see the talent. And then the girls team this year went like 12 and five or something like that in middle school. So there's some talent that they're feeding to the high school. Um, the boys have got a lot of work to do. 
Uh, they're just not very big. Uh, they have trouble scoring offensively. A lot of their games have been low scoring. The other night against Stewart County, they had seven points a tie. And, of course, they held Stewart County to 10. Now, it's, you give uh, Porsche McClurkin some credit because uh, those kids play hard, and they're pretty good defensively. They're just having trouble finding somebody that's going to put points up. Uh, hopefully, over time, that will come. But when you look at the uh, uh, district, it's going to be tough because uh, as good as Herndon girls could be, and as they might be later on, but when you look at the teams in the district, you got Gibson County, Milan, Union City, and Westview. But Gibson County has not lost a game, and they're real, real good. And they've been to the state tournament the last several years. Of course, they're in 2A now. Westview uh, has one girl, the Harrison girl, I think it is, that's being recruited by a lot of major colleges. So that's two good teams that's top. Union City's always strong. Uh, Milan girls, I don't know much about them. Milan's not that great. but uh, So, like Hayden, you're going to be fighting for third. You know, the boys have got some work to do because uh, they're going to have trouble at the rate they're going right now is uh, uh, making it to a region tournament. But still a lot of basketball left. Uh, We'll be back next week after Christmas for our after Christmas podcast. So tune in for that. But this has been uh, Russell Bush and I'll hopefully I'll see you next week. Podcast continues to grow. And uh, as you listen, tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.